find yourself talking about the same argument, it's generally because you're not talking about the root cause. When you talk about, hey, I want to sit down and do a budget together, or hey, I want a joint account, the issue is not the joint bank account. The issue is trust. What's the fear? Hey, you guys, welcome to this episode of the Rachel Cruz Show podcast. I'm so glad that you're here. In today's episode, since it's the holiday season, I'll also give you a few minimalist Christmas gift ideas for your friends and family. You'll also hear a conversation I had with personal injury lawyer and communication expert Jefferson Fisher on how to communicate with your spouse when it comes to money. And I want you guys to be on the same page and to thrive when it comes to your finances. But first, let's talk about five crucial money questions to ask the person you're dating and five money questions to ask your spouse. Take a listen. So one of the most powerful wealth building tools, if you're in a relationship, is to get on the same page financially with your partner. So whether you're dating someone or it's just starting to get serious, maybe you're engaged or married, there are things that you should know about that person's habits, history, and even current beliefs around money. So I'm going to share five questions specifically for you guys that are dating, and then five different questions to talk to your spouse about. So this is going to help you really gauge whether you share the same values with this person and even what the next steps could look like. So once you get comfortable talking about money, the possibilities, they're endless. You guys can accomplish so much together financially and that is a huge part of winning. Okay, let's first start with those of you who are in a dating relationship. Now, obviously I wouldn't recommend interrogating somebody about money on the first, second, or even third date. But once you're a few months in, you've kind of established that you're both very interested in each other, Maybe it's getting a little bit more serious. I think it is important to start talking about some practical, real-life questions. So the first money question I would ask someone if you're dating is their thoughts on debt. How do they feel about debt? And I would want to know up front really their posture around this because if they have debt, are they actively trying to pay it off? Are they okay with it? Is that something that they're just comfortable with and they're going to use it to fund their life? Just knowing these things is really important because I think one of the best ways to build wealth and to have a lot of peace is when you don't have debt. And this is where the value systems can really clash. Now, I would not say to stop dating somebody if they have a lot of debt, okay? So, Listen, if they have student loan debt, you can't be like, oh my gosh, I can't love you. No, 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 no. But I would want to know, hey, is this something that they want out of their life pretty, you know, in an intense way? Like, yeah, like we want this out. Or is it even around the conversation of, okay, yeah, they have a credit card and they spend above their means. You're watching them and their money habits. It could be a red flag because money fights and money problems are one of the leading causes of divorce in America. And so, being able to be on the same page is huge. So when Winston and I started dating, he had a credit card. It had an eagle on it. I remember that. So he paid our first couple dates with that credit card. And as we started getting serious and he actually like, you know, was learning about Ramsey. He didn't really know who Dave, my dad was at all. And we started talking. I was like, yeah, I don't know. I just, I'm not comfortable with debt. I don't like debt. And he was like, okay, makes sense. He was so logical with it all. He was like, yeah, well, I have the money because he was one of those that just paid it off every month. He was like, but... I could see how that's like uncomfortable. So yeah, I'll just use a debit card. So it, for us, we were young in college. So it wasn't like we were set in our ways for decades. Like some of you who maybe if you're dating someone and you're a little bit older, you could run into that issue. But 
overall knowing where they align when it comes to debt, I think is important. The second money question I would ask is, what are your goals financially? Do you have goals? You know, are they thoughtfully planning their financial future? Are they managing money wisely? Is that a priority for them? If not, why? Maybe are they establishing some of those larger scale beliefs around like delayed gratification, putting money away for retirement. They want to be a homeowner. Like, are they working towards something? And again, I don't want them obsessed with money, that every little thing they think about is money. But are they motivated in this area? Because I do find people that are more apathetic to money tend to be the ones that don't win as quickly or as intensely as if you're like, oh, no, 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 I have goals around this and I'm being proactive. So that proactive stance is something that I think is important. So I would want to know, yeah, what are your thoughts around money and the future and goals? And if they're working towards any of those. The third money question I would ask in a dating relationship is, are you investing? So this is kind of going back to what we talked about earlier about those financial goals. But I always go back to Love is Blind with Shane and Natalie. And Natalie was like, she she funds her 401k and she has retirement and she's saving And he's like, yeah, I don't really believe in 401ks. (laughs) She was like, what? (laughs) So again, polar opposites. So talk about that. It's good to know. It's good to know because if you're thinking about, you know, your your future with this person, if it's gotten to that point in the relationship, you want to think, okay, not just short-term, but long-term. Like, are they like huge risk takers that's maybe not great and going to put us in a bad situation? Or even, I would say on the other extreme, they're so boring and so scared, they don't want to put any money in the market and they're like, just want a little savings account over here and that's all they're doing. And it's like, no, 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 like there's a good balance here. So again, I think it's important to know what their financial goals are for the future. And in order to make progress in this area, again, intentional teamwork has to be a factor. Being able to say, yes, together, if this relationship goes into marriage, we're going to be working towards our future and our retirement together making sure you're on the same page. The fourth question I would ask someone that you're dating is, do you own a house? Do you rent a house? And again, you probably may know this already by this point in the conversation, but I think it's important to just know where they're at because homeownership is a really big deal. And I think that it's a really important part of your financial picture, but you also don't want to rush into it either because some people get a home before they're ready and it ends up being such a burden on them. They have too much house, so even their income is going so much to a mortgage, all of it. So it's just good to know kind of like where they're at and to even think about, yeah, what's your best housing option if you guys do go down the road and get married? Like, what does that look like? Because if one's a homeowner, one of you's renting, then you want to look at equity and all of it. It's just a good conversation to have. And I think it's just fascinating to know, hey, what's their living situation? So yeah, Winston and I, we were in college, got married right out of college. So it, we were renting. I was in a condo with three girls. He was in a nasty rental house with like eight guys. It was disgusting, disgusting. So yeah, we were not established in the real estate market, if you will, when we got married. But we moved to Nashville during actually the crash of everything. So we got our house, our first house from a bank. It was a, the whole development went under. So it was a bank-owned property, which is just wild. So we kind of got in. I hate to say it to all of you looking for houses. We are the opposite of what you're experiencing now with housing. It was, it was just wild. So for us, kind of looked out, I guess, with the timing of that. All right. The fifth money question that you need to ask the person that you're dating is how much do you make? I think that this is a pretty appropriate question. If Again, the relationship is legitimate to know 
what they make. We have what kind of income are they bringing in? And it's not that you're going to judge them one way or the other, but again, it's getting this whole financial picture. Now, I wouldn't ask this on the first date because you would be cray-cray and you probably wouldn't get a second date. But as you guys are talking about money, again, I think it's an important part of the equation just to know. Again, talking about income can be really awkward with friends or family. And depending on what relationship it is, may not be necessary to know. But if it's somebody that you're in a relationship with long-term, again, that you're going to see yourselves on the same page, it's good to know, especially if you're like really close to an engagement because then you guys can really start planning out like wedding costs, even things that are going to be going on after the wedding, all of it. So those are a couple of questions just to ask. And I'd be curious if you guys had any more that you'd want to know with a significant other if you're dating. So leave a comment below. I always like to know what you guys think. All right, the next set of questions is going to be for your spouse if you are already married, or we could even throw in future spouse if you are engaged. So one of the first money questions I would ask is, hey, what are your habits around giving? What kind of role does generosity play into your financial strategy? And I think it's great to know like what type of giver you are. For some people, they're way more planned. That's Winston. He just kind of wants to know where it's going, what's going on. I'm a little bit more spontaneous. And at times that can create tension of like, no, like let's give here. And he's like, no, we already planned it, Rachel. Like, what are you doing? And so again, knowing, hey, how are you wired around giving is a really important question to ask. And you may already pick up on that if you're married, but if you haven't talked about it before, say it out loud and talk about it. And another great thing is to know, hey, what are you passionate about? Because that's what makes giving fun when you give to something that you love. All right, the second money question is, if you don't have finances combined, why? Hmm, this is the one I get hated on all the time when I tell couples to combine checking accounts if they're married. And if you hesitate in that or that scares you, find out why, because that's gonna tell you a whole lot more about your relationship, about you personally, and even your spouse than that, right? Combining accounts, it's the tactical side of it all. But when you actually dig in and understand, okay, what is going on underneath that, you actually get to know your spouse more in that. And hopefully the conclusion is that you guys can trust each other, see yourselves as a team, and combine your accounts. So that would be huge. All right, the third money question every married couple should be asking themselves is, what is our money tendencies that affect the way we spend money? So I would think, Are you a spender? Are you a saver? You probably don't have to ask that. You probably already know. And listen, either side of that is fine. 100% okay if you're a natural spender or natural saver. But especially with the spending, I want to know what is motivating you to spend. And this is more of a question that I have to ask myself because it's just good to know, like, hey, what what is that thing that you're getting from when it comes to spending money? Because I know I'm like, ooh, I get excited. I'm like, oh, I love it. I love it. But why? What What is going on in me? It causes me to spend. Or even Winston, his lack of spending at times. I'm like, what is that? The scarcity mentality that sometimes is really great and really wise. But also it's like, no, you can enjoy your life and have fun. But knowing those tendencies and why you do the things you do with money, especially when it comes to spending money, is really key. And everyone has these tendencies. But again, digging underneath those habits to know yourself, to know your spouse is a really connecting point. All right, the fourth money question that you need to ask is, uh, what are your feelings around budgeting? So budgeting is one of these things people either hate it, they love it, but understanding why we want to budget, what is budgeting, how do we want to budget, all of those questions need to be answered because your budget is your roadmap. Your budget is the thing 
that actually helps eliminate a lot of money stress and a lot of fighting because you guys sit down together and you agree on where your money's going. Your budget is a plan and you guys need to do it together. So understand why does one spouse may not want a budget? The other one may love it. And some of that is okay. Just know that. I mean, Winston will forever love multiple Excel sheets and multiple things that he looks at. And I'm like, I just need one. I just need every dollar and I'm good. So my detail, level of detail, is way less than his. And that's okay. It doesn't make me wrong or bad, but it's good to know these tendencies again, to know your spouse even better. All right, the last money question is, what are your long-term financial goals? So knowing together a shared game plan when it comes to retirement and traveling and housing and cars and kids' college and all of it, all of it together is really key. Because when you look out and you say, hey, where we want to spend our money really shows us what we value in life. Like the things out there that we're shooting for says a lot about who we are as a family. And when you can come together and agree on that as one, it is huge. And and if you have kids or hope to one day, then say like, hey, what do we want to do when it comes to them? How do we want to teach them how to handle money? What are boundaries want to set around our kids so that they don't grow up to be brats and like actually have some level of dignity and work ethic? But also like if we have the means, are we going to be able to bless them on certain things? I mean, all of those conversations, they're fun to have just to be able to say, hey, where are we going and how do we do this together? So listen, money, it can be awkward, especially if you're not used to talking about it with someone that you love, but it is really important. It's an important piece of life that you need to establish, especially with your significant other. So whether you're dating or engaged or married, have these conversations. And if you're looking for a practical way to get started, I highly recommend doing a monthly budget. And Every Dollar is an app that my husband and I use every single day. Literally, I open it every single day and we've used it for years and it's wonderful. So make sure to try it out for a month and see what you think. And let me know in the comments. Again, any more conversations or questions that are needed. Hey, you guys, I want to tell you about one of my new favorite games that my family has been loving, and that is Tapple. So Tapple is a really fun board game. It's honestly very easy to learn, and you have to know how to read because it does matter because it's a category game. So what you do is you split up into two teams, and you pick a category, and then you have to pick a word within that category. And whatever letter that word starts with that you pick, you put down on the board, and it goes back and forth between teams. There's a timer, so it's really competitive but it is so much fun. Your friends, your family, your neighbors, people are going to love it. And I love games too because we turn off the screens and we actually engage and create memories. So make sure to check out Tapple at Walmart. Well, hey, you guys, I am so excited because on today's show, I am joined by Jefferson Fisher. And if you are not one of his 2.8 million Instagram followers, let me just tell you a little bit about him because he's awesome. He's amazing. So he is actually a personal injury lawyer and the founder and CEO of Fisher Law Firm. And he's an argument experts. So he has been getting so much attention recently. I've seen so many people reposting him, even people that I follow. They're like always reposting his stuff because he is just an expert when it comes to communication, arguing, negotiation, because, you know, you even think about the money side of our lives, whether it's you and your spouse are in a fight about money, maybe you're being mistreated as a customer at a store, maybe you're negotiating on a car lot. It's like, whatever it may be, there are constantly 
moments of us having to communicate around money and sometimes with a little bit of tension. So some of his most popular posts include what to say when someone belittles you. Also, what's the right way to receive a compliment? Many people kind of push those away. And how to talk to a narcissist. So he is worth a follow. Make sure to check out what he's doing on Instagram because his videos are so great. So Jefferson, thank you so much for coming on today. Absolutely. Thanks for having me, Rachel. Yeah, all your stuff is so great. And I think it's so relatable for people when it comes to their daily lives. So I want to dive in deep in this conversation because one of the biggest, I feel like, conflicts that I hear on my end of life when it comes to money is spouses, specifically (laughs) not being able to be on the same page. And so some people with their argument style, it's like aggressive. For some people, it's more, you know, passive. But what would you say to someone who's like, okay, we've had the same argument and we just go around and around in a circle? Like, how how do you break that cycle of an argument that's just the same argument over and over again? Yeah. Well, it it applies to really anything, but I I assume you hear it with like, you want to make a budget, you want to join bank accounts. It's talking about these things where you want to do together. When you find yourself talking about the same argument, it's generally because you're not talking about the root cause. Mm -hmm. What you're doing essentially is you're trying to cut down a tree by trimming its leaves. Mm. You're not hitting the the root cause. So when you talk about, hey, I want to sit down and do a budget together, or hey, I want to join, I think we should um, create a joint account, different conversations like that, it's because the issue is not the real issue. The issue is not the joint bank account. The issue is trust. The issue is what's the fear. You get what I'm saying? So that's, oh, yeah. the conversation is much deeper than the fact that they don't want to engage with you and, and feel like a partner to you yeah. on creating a budget. Yeah, no, that makes so much sense. And we talk about that issue a lot, that money, it's just like the filter that the thing is coming out of, right? So there's so much stirring, you know, whether it's in your own life or in your marriage, and it's going to come out all these different directions. And it can come out as money. It could come out during a parenting moment with kids, like whatever it looks like. Do you find, though, that people— because um, I love this subject. Like, I love therapy. I love, like, digging in. I, like, yeah. all of that is so fascinating to me because I think we're really layered people, right, within our stories, how we were brought up, how we see the world today. And do you find for most people or people in general that it's hard for them to get to that root cause because maybe they don't have the tools or they've never been taught how to ask themselves those questions? Or do you think, no, 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 anyone can do this. Anyone can get to that root cause to get out of that cycle? I believe it's it's a learned process. I don't think we it's just innate within us. I think it, we're born maybe with different types of experiences that teach us these things. But I think discernment is something not only you're given, but something that can be grown. And how do I not mm-hmm. only catch myself and my behavior, what can I learn, not from somebody's words, but from what their words didn't say? So it's those little moments in between, I think, that really help us communicate more with one another when you're at a loss of saying, I'm not really understanding them. Well, have you really taken the time to try and sit back and do that without just sitting on your side of the the court? That's so good. So good. And it takes that level of awareness to even ask that question, right? To get outside of yourself, because so often we're like, we're the ones being stirred up and where our focus is so there. So Dr. John Deloney, he claims you, Jefferson, that he has made you who you <laughs> yeah. are. No, but he always talks about whenever you're brought up in conversations, he's always like, Jefferson is the calmest, coolest guy you yeah. will ever meet. So for mm-hmm. people like me, that not it's not necessarily my gifting in life. When you're in an argument, 
and you're in a conflict, what are a couple of ways to stay cool and to stay, you know, level when there's conflict? Yeah, that's hard. But if it's not innate to your personality, if it's not something that, that's common, some things that I like to push out is, number one, you, you say it out loud. So if you feel that rising frustration, you say it out loud. I can tell I'm getting frustrated. Mm. Begin with, I can tell. I can tell I'm not ready for this conversation. I can tell I'm getting upset. Once you say it out loud, once you claim it, then you can control it. That allows you a better grasp of that self-awareness you were just talking about, of knowing exactly yeah. how you're feeling. And then you layer that on with the, the sense of what your body's going through is just tension. It's your sympathetic nervous system. And so we often do not recognize the tension that's happening within our body. I'm just, I'm only focused on what Rachel's saying. What can I respond that's going to hurt Rachel or going to prove her wrong or beat her in some way, rather than focusing on what's happening to my body. Mm. And what happens is that tension rises up and it needs to go somewhere. So it, it forces me to yell really loudly. It forces me to want to throw something. It forces me to have an angry response because I'm not giving it anywhere to go. So one way to do that is really focus on your muscles and your breathing. So I, I know, I'm sure Dr. Deloney speaks <laughs> plenty on, on right breathing techniques yeah. that you can have, lots of different methods. But being aware of, of that is, is a big part of it. And then lastly, I would say mm -hmm. slow down your words. When you speak really quickly, it amps up that tension within you. But if you purposely slow down your words, it forces you to, to put on the brakes. Yeah. It's amazing just even what speed does, like in that sense, right? Of just like the cadence yeah. of your voice, slowing it down, and then knowing what's going on with you. Yeah, physically. I think those are such great tips because I think for some people, if they're like, well, conflict, a great tip would be like, figure out what to say here or there. Like, but it has nothing to do with your words. It is it yeah. is your body. It's the way you're speaking. I mean, all of that, which I think are so many great tools to have, especially when those conflicts arise. It actually is part of like your biology. Your, your rhythm wants to match. We want to go in the same frequency. So that's mm -hmm. why a lot of the times if you slow down your words, you feel more calm than with somebody who's going at, at high, high speed. I had a grandparent that when you'd ask him a question, he'd probably take eight seconds before he actually responded to you. You know, he just, even if it was a short, well, yeah. I mean, it just took a little bit of time for that to, to happen. And it just calms you down, really. Yes. Oh, it's so good. Okay, so what would you say to somebody if they're natural, right? Because there's like the, the flight and fight. There's all these ways that people respond mm -hmm. in a situation, in a stressful situation or conflict. What would you say to somebody if their natural response is more of that kind of just like internal processing, I need time, I need space, I, I need to step away, aka my husband. This is, this is more my husband. Like if we're into something, he's like, I need yeah. some time. And I'm a verbal processor. So I'm like, I know exactly what I'm thinking and feeling and it will come right out of my mouth as soon as I think it, which yeah. is probably <laughs> part of my issue. Right. So for somebody that is more of an internal processor or needs that time, like what are some, maybe some encouragement to that type of personality? Because there's, some, there's sure. some strengths there, but also maybe some weaknesses. So I'm the same way. I, I like to process things before I get into them. Same way my wife is very different. I like to say I'm a nice Windows 98, while my wife is like an Intel Core 
processor 3000. She speaks out loud a million miles an hour, all out loud. And I'm just, it's in my head. Um, yes, totally. So totally. The, the, yeah, the encouragement is don't speak until you're ready. So have the confidence to say, I'm not ready for this conversation. I need that time. For him to tell you, I'm not, I'm not ready for this is, is okay. I think one thing that helps is being able to say, is this something we need to discuss right now? Or is this something that I can discuss later? Generally, it's something that can doesn't have to be done right now. And yeah. that that's encouraging, at least for me. And also the idea of give me some time to think on it. I will give you a response. I need some time to think on it. It's just that ability to check in with yourself to say, if you want me to respond right away, I'm going to give you 18% of a thought. But if you want 100%, you're going to need some time to let that load. Mm. That's so good. And with people that tend to lean in that direction, you said it, but I want to just repeat it for all of us on the other side of the spectrum yeah. to come back. Like, make sure you come back to revisit once you have 100% of the thought, right? Because I think for some people, they forget it or time passes. They go, it's not a big deal anymore. But always still revisiting if you've promised, give me some time. Would you agree? Yeah. And one way to, to ensure that is to set a time for it. You schedule it. Yeah. You schedule some time. I, I asked them, when's a good time for us to address this? Because yes. some of the worst arguments, hardest conversations you can have are not made easier by forcing them in the moment. It, it only pushes, good. it just makes them a pressure cooker. Because if you're not ready for that conversation yeah. right then, then that means the resolution isn't ready either. So you're going to, in fact, mm. feel even more upset and maybe more defensive if you feel like they're trying to control your time and controlling when you, you have to have the conversation as well. So that's just going to bring contempt yeah. into the mix. Yeah, that's good. And I think a lot of wisdom in that space and slowing down, which I think is, is so great. Okay, so if you are in a conflict with somebody and they speak things over you, they say things at you that are mean, cruel, name-calling, like if, you, if you're in an argument with someone like that, how do you handle that? Mm. Because you're yeah, a lawyer. So, so I'm like, I feel like you've probably been right. in, in a lot yeah, of situations. Yeah. The, it's, well, <laughs> either way, whether it's a personal setting, a professional setting, it's it's still you. Either way, my response would be the same. And if somebody's being ugly to me, disrespecting me in a conversation, uh, immediately my boundary is is going up. I'm not going to walk on eggshells um, to be afraid of what they're going to feel about my response. So in the way I assert mm. that boundary, in the way I, I, I teach people is that you respond with I. I am not going to be spoken to that way. It's not, you don't talk to me like that. You can't say that to me. That's not going to work. It's I am not going to be spoken to that way. It's saying, this is my boundary. It's not yours. This is mine. And then you follow it up with, if you continue to insert the boundary, if you continue to talk to me that way, this is the end of the conversation. And then you just stop and you go in a full pause and you just listen. And they're either going to respect that boundary or they're going to show that they're not. And if they don't, then that's a whole different question of where you value this person and prioritize this person in your daily life yeah. and whether or not your life is worth living without them. Yes, yes, which gets into some, I mean, that's real too, right? I think that happens yeah. a lot in interpersonal relationships, which is just, it's terrible. But I think too, people yeah. feel drawing a boundary it almost makes it feel like I'm the one that's doing something harsh or 
mean and my encouragement always to people with boundaries is like, no, you're doing this to protect yourself. And I even love the mm. way you talked about it's I, right? And there's a level of, I can control me and that's all I can. And right. thousands of dollars of therapy realizing I can't control the other person or convince yeah. them enough, you know, this, this, and this. What can I do in a situation? And that gives you a lot of power when you can finally kind of lay to rest. Like, I'm not here to convince that other person or try to change them, try to have them talk to me in a different way. Um, I'm just speaking for me and what I expect mm -hmm. and drawing that boundary. And it's really healthy. And it's maybe a little scary if you're not used to that, but it's one of the best things that you can do for yourself. Exactly. Yeah, too it. often we think that when we say, you can't do this or you, the other person's going to assume that you are wanting to control them and you now are just justifying them to, to ratchet it up even more. Yep. And instead, if you just say, this is, this is my guidebook. You want, you want me involved in this conversation? Here's the owner's manual right here. Rather than yeah. you giving them a remote to control, you know, push all your buttons and control your emotions, you're making it very clear, this is how I operate in this setting. Yeah, so good. Okay, so if you are on the opposite side of the coin, if you are somebody that tends to get out of control or lose their temper or say yeah. things that you don't mean, if you happen to be that type of person in conflicts, how how can you help direct direct those people? If you're the type of person that unintentionally says things that hurts people or what you don't mean, it means that all the work has to be done before you open your mouth because you're trying to oftentimes figure out what you want to say and what you mean while you're saying it. And that's the mm -hmm. worst time to do it, especially people who are external processors. They'll start to say things that they don't mean, but they just had to say it because that's what their brain was saying. It's more often to put that work on the, on the front end before you even open your mouth, which means have you considered not only what you want to say, but how it's going to be received? So it's a checklist in your mind of saying, well, wait, before I say this, have I sat in their chair? Have I considered how what I'm about to say is going to sound to them versus how it feels good for me to say. Mm. Uh, and that, that pause of, have I sat in their chair, gives you that little bit of insight of, well, maybe I shouldn't say that. And even just that little pause can make all the difference, especially in a really, when things get really heated. Yeah, well, it makes, it makes so much sense because I think too, you can feel justified and like, well, this is how I feel and this is what I think. And because of that, I have this justification that I can say and do what I please, regardless of what it, whether it's hurting another person. And for me, people, you know that that's their like knee jerk response. It's really difficult because I'm like that's a it's a it's a selfish type mentality. And what you're saying is like stop and pause and actually think about the other person that you're sitting across from. And I think that that takes a level of selflessness, but also a lot of wisdom because it does yeah. it slows you down and it changes what you're even the words that are going to be spoken out of your mouth. Exactly. And it really is, it's a different way of thinking about arguments. We brought it up earlier, your fight or flight. When we want to hurt somebody, that is our fight mode. Mm -hmm. we, we want to hurt. Why? Because we are wanting to eliminate that threat that they are imposing on us. Maybe that threat is to my competence. Maybe that threat is, I feel like they're undermining me. It is threats that we perceive that we are wanting to extinguish and we want to put out. Our body says, I don't care how you do that. 
because it's it's the emotions that are are driving us at that point. And so we just filter it out with with nothing. We just say, I'll say whatever I can to hurt you in that moment. And it's because we're just listening to whatever we're saying to ourselves, not considering what what it's going to be to the other person. person. Oh, it's so great. Oh my gosh, Jefferson. It's such good stuff. It really is because I think, you know, whether it's money or other parts of our lives, we can be in these situations that it's, you know, you feel the conflict, you feel an argument. And I think the biggest thing is being able to slow down, be present of what's going on within you. And it's just more productive than going around like Mm. a bunch of like 12-year-olds just yelling at each other or getting, you know, saying what you want to say. It takes a level of maturity and patience in that. But I think it's really wise and I think it... It's going to help a lot of people. So I really appreciate you coming mm-hmm. on and walking us through yeah. some of those scenarios because I think it's really important. Where can everyone find you? Do you have new stuff happening in life? Kind of what's going on in your world? I'm uh, currently writing a book with Penguin Random House. Uh, so that's, I am trying to finish that manuscript, which yes. as you all know, is not an easy uh, feat. <laughs> so I'm, I'm, yeah, so I'm, I'm dealing with that. There's just a lot of a lot of blessings. The Lord's really blessed Um the, the platform that I have to help a lot of people, which has been just wonderful right now. Other than that, we just finished kids soccer. Yeah. <laughs> and so we're done with that. Uh, but they can find me on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, any of those. My yeah. main platform is Instagram because I, I like it the most. And if anybody needs an attorney, I work at Fisher Firm. You're there. Well, congratulations, Jefferson, on everything. And yeah, Thanks, you guys, Rachel. make sure to check out everything he's doing. Uh, he has so many helpful tips, again, in a subject that not everyone's an expert on, but the more we can learn about ourselves uh, and calm down in these areas, it, it gives you a more a more peaceful life. Being free to make your own medical decisions is a big deal. Christian Healthcare Ministries lets its members choose the providers that they want without worrying about networks. Find out more at chministries.org slash budget. That's chministries.org slash budget. So today I wanna share some simple creative gift ideas that will not break the bank. So you guys know how much I love generosity, especially this time of the year. And the Christmas season, this whole holiday season really does tend to bring the best out in people in terms of giving. I think a lot of the times we think a lot of consumerism and all this, but genuinely people do want to be givers. But too much of a good thing can turn into a stressful thing if you don't have a plan for your money. And nobody wants to go broke just to give out a bunch of gifts that go unused or underappreciated. So today I want to share some of my tips and budget-friendly gift ideas that might help you get a little bit of inspiration when it comes to the season of generosity. Okay, my first gift-giving tip is to buy things in like a big pack and then spread out the love. So you're able to buy for a lot of people in just one purchase. And again, maybe it's a variety pack of earrings or something, and you're able to give a pair to each person. So it really helps eliminate not just the shopping experience that you have, but it also is usually less expensive. And plus, you can choose which ones remind you of each person, and it's kind of that unique twist to who they are, and I love it. And so this method is great when you need affordable gift ideas for different groups of people in your life. The second gift idea is baked goods. Listen, nobody's ever disappointed to receive homemade pumpkin bread, okay, or chocolate chip cookies or something festive, you know, some type of dessert. People love that stuff, especially if they know you well. If you don't know people well, giving baked goods sometimes is kind of sketchy. But the people in your life that you love, Winston has been doing sourdough before the pandemic. He was on trend 
before it became trendy. And last year, he gave out so many loaves of sourdough to people uh, that we work with and different things. So listen, some goodie bags with some festive trail mix or sugar cookies from scratch decorated by the kids or again, sourdough bread or even a sourdough starter with like a special recipe on a note card, like anything like that is fantastic. And again, it's inexpensive, budget-friendly, and people love it. The third idea is a themed gift idea. So most of us can't pay hundreds of dollars to go see like a Broadway play. But what if you did an affordable themed movie night gift basket instead? You get a bag of popcorn, maybe a gift card to a streaming service like Netflix, you know, a Coke in there, something just like really fun and cute. And it's just a fun movie night treat. And it's kind of this themed idea. It's creative, but it's also very thoughtful. Or maybe you overheard a relative say that they want to get better at cooking. So maybe you get a, a cookbook and a dish towel and wrap it all cute with a string. And again, very thoughtful, very creative, but it's themed, which makes it more fun. My fourth gift idea is to have your kids hand make something. So if you know that your kids are, you know, kind of creative or they have a thing that they love, this is a way to really give some of that creation that they have inside of them to other people. So you can pass some of maybe their their art from their classroom uh, that they've done at school. You can put it on a coffee mug. We did this for my parents one year. All of our kids' art now, it's this is so like 2023 world, but it all goes on the internet. And then there's a company that you can use to take some of these pictures that she drew and put them on like coffee mugs or t-shirts or whatever. And so we did a bunch of coffee mugs for the grandparents with her favorite picture that she drew that year. And it's just really, really sweet. Or maybe you get your kids and you get a, a picture of, you know, some you know family friends that you're giving the gift to or family Let them decorate the frame, write a little note. I mean, there's just some ways to be, again, creative and very thoughtful. And especially when it comes to the grandparents, I don't know if you're like us, but it's like our parents, like they don't, they don't need anything. If they need something, they get it. And you're like, I I don't know. So anything that has a level of sentiment to it is really, really sweet. All right. My fifth gift idea is a book maybe that you love or someone else loves. And books are usually around 20 bucks. And this is a really thoughtful gift. And it's also a great gift, especially if the person you're giving the book to is a reader. I love getting books. I love hearing what people are reading. And it's great too, because there's a lot of shops that do resale, half price books. Again, it doesn't have to be expensive in order for it to be a great gift. You're able to really put some time and effort and think through, okay, what book have I loved that this person's going to love? And that connection point is really huge. My sixth idea is to give away your skills as a gift. So let's say you're really talented at calligraphy or maybe you're uh, really good at like working with like wood pieces, which sounds really funny, but we had a friend who did this and they created a map of Tennessee out of wood and it was amazing. It was amazing. So whether it's photography or anything like that, anything that you have that you're able to give someone. So again, maybe there's a saying, a quote that you love and you can write it beautifully and frame it. Maybe you're a photographer and you can give a half hour mini session to some friends or family. I mean, anything that you can do, even your time, if you could babysit for a date night for these people, like whatever it is, again, it doesn't have to be expensive material things, but who you are and your time and your talents, those are free. And they're wonderful and people really do appreciate them. So when it comes to generosity, again, don't be afraid to get creative because the more intentional you are is 
the more that it means to people because you've really thought about them, the person. And generosity always takes effort, but it doesn't have to take all of your budget. And it can feel vulnerable to kind of think outside the box and do something different. But listen, it's all about the person on the other end who's receiving that gift and what they're going to love and the thought that you you had for that person. So give some of these ideas a try this year. And when you get to December 26th or January, you're going to think, okay, I'm glad we reined it in. Especially those of you that are getting out of debt or saving up your emergency fund. Christmas may look different this year, and that's okay. So if you've never tried creating a budget, I would recommend doing it. This is a perfect time, especially when it comes to Christmas, because you're able to see, okay, what do we have to spend on gifts? Where are we at in our entire financial picture in December? And it's just a tool to give you a lot of peace and some boundaries this holiday season. And the best budgeting tool out there is every dollar. And trust me, it makes a huge difference not to overspend and to be able to say, yes, here's what we have. And you can do it with such freedom. You can enjoy spending that money, buying those gifts without second guessing anything. And you're not going to regret it on the other end thinking, oh, we spent too much. Okay. So as you can see, these gift ideas are so fun, you guys. They're creative and the people will love them. Save you time and money. It's great. All right. I want to thank Jefferson so much for being a guest on today's show. And I want to thank you guys for listening. And if you love this show, make sure to leave a review, share it with a friend. It helps us so much to get the message out. All right, you guys, remember to take control of your money and create a life you love.